0: You're listening to The Teen Wolf, Rewolf. Hey. Hi. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's been a while since we've done the podcast, not since we've seen each other. We do live together. Yes. That said, I have been (laughs) not in the house very recently because of all the work I have to do, but...
1: And I am only ever in the house. It's a good (laughs) trade-off that I just don't live here. (laughs) True.
0: Yeah. Um, Are you excited to do our Christmas bonus episode?
1: I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, yeah.
0: As voted on by our wonderful listeners, we are uh, talking about the Muppet Christmas Carol. The only valid Christmas Carol, if you ask me personally.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had not seen this movie for a long, long time. It so is
0: this was a treat. It is my twins' favorite Christmas movie. Interesting. Um, and, like, we're kind of a Muppets family, which I feel like <laughs> to be into the Muppets, it has to be, like, something that, like, your parents latched onto when they were kids. Um, and my mom, like, loves the Muppets. Uh, in her dorm room, like, in college, she had a giant poster of, like, Fozzie
1: I <laughs> and Kermit, I think. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think, well, I think your favorite Christmas movies are really dictated by your family. True,
0: which is why I only like the weird, sad ones. Um, and a Christmas story, which I know you don't like, but I love a Christmas story. It just
1: is, it has always made me deeply uncomfortable, and I could not tell you why. Oh,
0: God, I love it. Um, it just feels like Midwest family Christmas, which is, you know, what I'm all about. So
1: I just like the old black and white. Miracle on 34th Street. But you don't like It's a Wonderful
0: Life, which is my favorite of all time Christmas movie.
1: It is like slit your wrist sad, and I cannot handle it. That's not how the Christmas season makes you feel? (laughs) (laughs) Not typically, mostly because I choose relentless optimism from December 1st to January 1st, because that's how to get through it. The people who can't choose that, though,
0: like who physically can't, are like, I need to relate to the Christmas media that's speaking to how I'm feeling. (laughs)
1: I mean, I do think that like Miracle on 34th Street is really sad, but it's like sad in a way that there's hope at the end of the story. You don't think there's hope at the end of It's a Wonderful Life? That's the whole point. I know that it's the whole point, but like I am so down in the dumps by the time that the movie ends that I'm like, it's, I cannot it's feel pretty joy. Long. But I'll yeah. sit I'll sit and
0: watch a handsome Jimmy Stewart do just about anything. He acts in quotations. <laughs> He's handsome. <laughs> he sure is pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, good for him on yeah, being handsome truly, I guess yeah I'm yeah um like every really phenomenal actor has like a dime store version of themselves and it's just unfortunate that Gregory Peck was <laughs> Jimmy Stewart
1: I love Gregory Peck so much like with my whole heart uh-huh he's yes. the reason why Roman Holiday is my favorite Audrey Hepburn movie like he's so good yeah he did not invent acting, but he got pretty close. No, Marlon Brando invented
0: <laughs> acting when he did Streetcar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he invented it because, like, Stanislavski invented it. And then he was like, maybe I should read An Actor Prepares. <laughs> the only person in Hollywood who had ever read An Actor Prepares up until that point. And then people were like, oh, maybe acting is like a skill Hard. you have to learn. <laughs>
1: Instead of, you know, you're just walking around like Jimmy Stewart all the time. <laughs> That's with the Jimmy Stewart impression. He's just like <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> Anybody who's listening with the sound <laughs> up was like, Oh my god. For to
0: be clear, we do like Jimmy Stewart. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. But you know, he just brrrs <laughs> his way through every movie. <laughs> If it works, it works, It babe. does work. But yeah, I love a Muppets Christmas Carol. I love the Muppets in general. Oh, what is not to love? It's just, oh, it's just so wholesome. Everything about it is like, it's just good. And it, like, when you think of like movies that are quoth and quoth family friendly, mm-hmm. that it, the implication is that everybody who's watching it age, you know, four to 45 is going to enjoy it. And there's actual few things that are able to do that quite like the Muppets.
1: I agree. And I think it's really interesting that we have these two like extremely popular um, puppet groups, if you will, where we have Sesame Street, which is largely to educate. Um, And it's something that like it won't drive parents crazy watching it, but parents get something out of the Muppets mm-hmm. that they couldn't get out of Sesame Street um, and and it's just legitimately funny.
0: Yeah. I We were laughing really hard re-watching this. And it's funny because I know the movie pretty well so I kind of know the beats. But mm-hmm. the absolute clownery. The downright tomfoolery. The fact that the entire movie is narrated by Gonzo and Rizzo is
1: just... Mwah. The moment when Rizzo jumps off the gate and then goes through the bars to get his jelly beans. It's <laughs> just legitimately so funny. Like, I was... Laughing out loud. Yes. Um, and
0: before we get, uh, gush any more about this movie or venture into more offshoots about Jimmy Stewart, I think we do have to do a recap. hmm So when we do our bonus episode recaps, as most of our listeners know, instead of trying to do it in 60 seconds, we have to time ourselves to see how fast we can do the recap. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty well-known story. Uh, so, if yeah. you've never
1: read A Christmas Carol, we'll do it really quick for you. I wish I had to
0: know you've never read A Christmas Carol.
1: I never had to read Dickens in school. I had to read... I, th- I think I had to read
0: three Dickens books, two in middle school, one in high school. Why you would assign Dickens to 12-year-olds, I don't know. But I read A Christmas Carol, which is technically a children's book in mm-hmm. sixth
1: grade. And I, then saw the play. I had to read a lot of Steinbeck in high school, but... I don't know. We read a we read a wide range of things. And then you know Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean everybody <laughs> has to read Shakespeare. Everybody has to do Shakespeare, yeah. but I was And not. everyone
0: has to read like different Shakespeare's, which is funny. I'm like um, one of the only people I know who had to read The Tempest for school.
1: Yeah, we did Romeo and Juliet my um, freshman year.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that is the freshman year Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And then you have to read King Lear and Hamlet later.
1: We actually for my um, IB English, we did not read Hamlet, we just read Rosencrantz and Kildenstern are dead. wow for for no particular reason we we had a play unit and my teacher was like that's what we're gonna read we had a play unit too so we had
0: to read the tempest and king lear and hamlet and then we got to go because i went you didn't go to high school in michigan i did not i did and when you are in ap lit you can take the we like take a field trip to canada and go see shows at stratford that's cool it's very cool so i saw king lear at stratford which was awesome uh yeah that sounds great yeah and i'm trying to think is that where i saw a christmas carol because after i read a christmas carol we saw the play and i don't remember where i saw it interesting it would not be out of the realm of possibility for them to load like a bus full of 12 year olds over the border but be like have fun people in europe are like yeah that sounds totally
1: normal to go to a different country for a field trip but people in america are like what (laughs) if you don't live in like michigan or really any other state that like Vermont. is in the northern part of yeah. literally my family and i went on a bike ride in vermont and we had to turn around because it was a bi-national bike trail and we didn't have our passports i've had
0: moments where i've been on boats just like in general and the coast guard has been like by the way you're over the canadian border <laughs> you need to go like 20 feet that way
1: <laughs> which um is kind of ridiculous boats do what they want yeah
0: well i mean i, I guess mean... you're in a little bit control of the boat but it, sometimes when you're sailing you know um, chilling. yeah anyway uh i don't remember who went first on our last recap so i guess it's do you want to rock paper scissors for who has to do it this time sure
1: this will be super thrilling for the
0: listeners well we'll, we'll narrate what happens okay okay rock paper scissors shoot damn it <laughs> julia won i <laughs> shot scissors she shot rock i really thought she was going paper and she didn't
1: i feel like i always go rock the first time I we don't have to rock paper scissors over
0: very much in this house, so I don't know. (laughs)
1: We really don't. Um, I did get to. I don't know if you saw the um, like rock paper scissors and the hula hoops thing, and you like kids were doing this in gym. Oh yeah. My friend Clayton like put together like a tournament of games, and he made us play that. It That's was really so fun. much fun where you
0: like have to like hopscotch through hula hoops and then rock, paper, scissors to like advance forward. Yeah. There's that a lot was of like a viral um, video
1: for a while. Yeah. There's a lot of accidental body slamming involved, but it was yeah. really fun.
0: Yeah. That is cool. hmm. Um, gym teachers are so inventive, especially when it's cause it's not like you can play soccer with, you know, nine yeah. year olds. I mean, I guess you can, but not really, you know, you gotta get creative with how you're going to get them to do their exercise.
1: Um, gym teachers should get, should get way more credit than they then they get...
0: What's that line from a uh, School of Rock?
1: Those who can't do teach, and those who can't teach, teach gym. <laughs> <laughs> Untrue, because gym teachers are the unsung heroes um, of elementary schools, and that's pretty much it, because every gym teacher I had subsequent to elementary school sucked. I didn't have to
0: take gym after elementary school, so I don't know. That sounds like that sounds. But that does sound sound like a failure of like the American education system, where they were like, "Yeah, you don't have to do any physical education anymore. You're good."
1: Oh, I mean, I had to take gym in like ninth grade, and that was it. And believe me, we just um, played ultimate badminton, and the gym teacher just did not care. But I got out of gym by taking a language. Those things do not (laughs) relate. (laughs) Wow, that's very funny. Yeah. Um. Are like, you ready to do a recap of A Christmas Carol? Yes, the I Muppets am. It's Muppet's Christmas Carol, very specifically. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go. So the
0: story starts with Gonzo and Rizzo, and Gonzo's like, I'm Charles Dickens, and Rizzo's like, you are Gonzo, but okay. And he starts telling the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, and Ebenezer Scrooge is this really mean guy played by Michael Caine, and he is like a real curmudgeon and hates Christmas and doesn't do anything nice for anybody, and everyone's like, please be nice to us, and he's like, no. And then at, he goes home on Christmas Eve and is like going to bed, and he gets visited by uh, uh, two to Marley's in the Muppets Christmas and they're like if you don't wisen up, dude you're gonna be, have a miserable life and you're gonna be visited by three ghosts and so first he gets visited by the ghost of Christmas past who shows him how lonely he was as a child boo-hoo that's very sad and then shows him how much of a meany curmudgeon he still was as a teenager but then he falls in love with the girl and then it, it works out poorly and then he's like oh no this is where Christmas really went wrong for me and then he gets visited by the ghost of Christmas present who's like look at how great Christmas is for everyone who is not you specifically bob cratchit who's his employee and his son tiny tim and all these other people who are having wonderful christmases without scrooge because he sucks and then finally he gets visited by the ghost of christmas uh future who shows him that he is going to die alone and everyone will hate him because he will have left such a like soiled memory on everyone around him and tiny tim is also going to die because bob cratchit had no money to save him and then Ebenezer scrooge wakes up and is like no i'm not going to be that person and then buys a turkey and brings it to bob and then like spreads christmas cheer and gives a bunch of money to charity and vows to be like a good person in the spirit of christmas or
1: whatever or whatever yes a minute and 26 seconds almost 27 seconds i actually thought i was going so much faster than that damn um you gave a lot of detail i I just good you know yeah i'm probably not gonna get that much detail well are you ready yeah okay one two three Okay, our story starts out with Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat, and Gonzo's like, I'm going to be Charles Dickens. And we are like, cool, that's for the rest of the story. Um, and then we meet... Ebenezer Scrooge who is just like this mean terrible guy and he's mean to his bookkeepers and he's mean to Bob Cratchit he says no to charity he's rude to his nephew um and so basically just nobody likes him and he goes home on Christmas Eve and his old business partners come and do this little song and dance in their chains and they're like you were gonna end up just like us because we were greedy and now we're in hell is the implication I don't know so he's visited by the ghost of Christmas past present and future um who shows the ghost of the past shows him his childhood and how he was just like oh it's time to do extra work on Christmas and And then The Ghost of Christmas Present um, is showing the Bob Cratchit family and how Tiny Tim is really sick. And um, Ebony Scrooge is, like, really fascinated by that um, because he's, like, he loves tiny tim uh, automatically and then he meets the ghost of christmas future who is like um everybody will be celebrating in the streets after you die and tiny tim also will have died um, and shows him his grave and that makes scrooge really freak out and then he wakes up and he decides that he is going to be a better person and he gives to charity and he buys the turkey and then he the grinch carves the roast beast <laughs>
0: 11021 <laughs> so you got me by like 17 seconds
1: i feel like i was missing some stuff, but that's kind of, like, the bare bones of the Christmas Carol story in general. Yeah,
0: you still threw in a Grinch reference, which, you know, we have to appreciate here on this podcast, because we, we
1: love, love the Grinch. The Grinch also is very similar, um, and, like, there's a Bahambug man who is isolated from everyone. And
0: I will say the biggest dissimilarity between the Grinch and Scrooge is that Scrooge is for sure a capitalist, <laughs> and the Grinch is, like... An anarcho-socialist? Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is a Republican.
0: Yeah. In fact, that part when he was like, I think poor people, if they don't want to be poor, can just die. I was like, I've heard Republicans make that argument. That's
1: pretty crazy. They're actually making it right now. They on sure American are. stimulus packages <laughs> yeah. for coronavirus. Oh, you thought
0: we weren't going to talk about coronavirus <laughs> on our Christmas bonus episode? Too late. <laughs>
1: Sorry. It's
0: it's funny. I bet everybody was like this is so much less of a bummer than when they were talking about Japanese internment <laughs> and now we're back to talk about Corona stimulus package legislature. You know,
1: it has been 9 months of coronavirus BS and uh, I think it's really getting everybody down over the holidays and so um, I was I have been having a hard time feeling in the Christmas spirit, which is why I think
0: this helped a little bit,
1: mm-hmm. you know. We've we've lit our candles and our little bell string lights, and we're trying. We are we're trying, yeah. It smells
0: like a Bath and Body Works in here, but we're trying.
1: <laughs> Not always a bad thing, but m- sometimes mostly a bad I, thing. I used to work there, so oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Terrible time. Long legacy of selling candles
0: in this apartment. <laughs>
1: We know and what's good.
0: We do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's move into our bonus episode analysis. Analysis. Do we do any real analyzing? No,
1: we just want to talk about it because yeah. it's fun. It's
0: fun. Uh, you know what's fun? Hmm. Everything that works about this movie, Julia. So tell me what works.
1: Um, I first want to talk about the production design of this movie because and you said this while we were watching it, that it is insane. The attention to detail on the costuming on like the human characters who don't really have anything to do except for Michael Caine. Um, And then all of the like specificity of the costumes on the Muppets themselves and the detailing on the puppets, which is just kind of like a Henson workshop trademark. Yes. Um, But everything about it is so cohesive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I The craziest thing about the Muppets to me is how well they can blend, you know, humans into their life without it feeling strange, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and that's true for pretty much any Muppet movie, but this one in particular because it's, like, sort of set... Like, a lot of the Muppet movies are set in the time that they're being filmed. Mm-hmm. Like, even their Wizard of Oz was a modern-day Wizard of Oz, so... To do one that's like historic and also everybody seems to fit into the Muppet universe is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Radiator is here to play. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's good, I'm cold. It's
0: cold. Um, I I do think that that is, is particularly interesting. And it's also like, obviously we're working on a, on, a, on a Muppet soundstage. So I was saying to you, like all of the buildings are too small because they're for Muppets, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that the people don't fit into the universe. You know, everything is designed in a way that's like, No, that's right because there's people and there's Muppets, so the things have to be both sizes, and it just sort of is very cohesive. I think, as you said,
1: yeah. Well, and I think that they do that remarkably across all of their films. Like I'm thinking about Labyrinth in particular, just because that's my favorite Henson movie, and um, like there's a part where they get to the Goblin City, and the goblins are all different sizes. Some of them are huge, and the houses are so tiny. Like Mm -hmm. they they just there's a the world building is so strong. Yes. And that's what makes you be like, well, it doesn't really matter that the door is three times the size of Kermit.
0: Yeah. No, and I think it, something that's brilliant is like I think the actual Christmas Carol is set in London. Mm-hmm. But this is very specifically set in a in a town that exists nowhere else but this town. Mm-hmm. And that is like the make sort of isolating it in that way is very intelligent, I think, because it would be really hard to try to like integrate that universe into our universe, and they do it really well in the in the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but choosing not to do it, I think, was was the smart choice. Um, what else works about this movie?
1: Um, this movie is funny. It is so funny. Oh. The
0: downright tomfoolery, the clown shit <laughs> of the Muppets, everything
1: is so good. I think. Um, a lot of folks because they've never had to work with puppets don't understand how difficult it is to manipulate puppets like that and to have it all kind of work together and then to like inject that with such a strong sense of humor that's just like an added uh level of effort Mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily have to do like the, the puppets in and of themselves are very impressive um but the fact that it is funny and it's humor that adults appreciate in addition to being for kids is amazing
0: yeah i mean i I think you're really right about people don't understand how difficult any kind of puppetry is so Mm -hmm. like when we were in school um musket at michigan did avenue q and they had to bring in like a bunch of people and like puppet masters to come in to be like this is how you do these things and here's how you take care of the puppets and here's what you need to know about working with them and it's like But they're puppets, you know, we give kids puppets to play with, but actual like professional puppetry is incredibly like nuanced and intricate. And that has always been such a real winner of anything in the Henson realm and the Mm -hmm. Henson creature shop, you know, is incredibly impressive. And obviously that's going to work really well in sort of any regard, Um But you're right. It's damn funny. And, like, I think, you know, Rizzo, as in many of the Muppets movies, is sort of the butt of the joke of Mm -hmm. this one, which is great because The Christmas Carol is uh, sad and scary. And to have, like, Rizzo, like, fall into a bucket of ice water halfway through is like, good, I needed that, you know?
1: Yeah, just, like, a little laugh to break it all up yeah um and like i said i hadn't seen this movie in forever but the things that i remembered about it were like really like really funny moments like when the bookkeepers in uh scrooge's office are like please Sam, i have some more coal and he's like absolutely not and they're like oh heat wave and they're it's all- so warm yeah <laughs> they're all of a sudden in like grass skirts or
0: when they're trying to fling themselves to the window to close yes. the lines <laughs> yeah
1: um yeah, it's. Uh, I think you describe it perfectly when you say tomfoolery.
0: Yeah, and it, I also think it's interesting which Muppets are utilized in this one. Like, you would think I think if you know you're pitching this in the room, you're like, well, well, Kermit is going to be, um, Bob Cratchit. No, or you, Kermit's going to be Charles Dickens. Yeah. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and or you think that like Miss Piggy was going to be one of the ghosts and stuff, and to sort of like, I don't know, like everybody you want to see is is featured. Um, but I, it, 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 I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting. I want to know what goes on with Muppet casting. Like how do they decide who's doing what?
1: Right? Well, I think it's very important that besides the Marley brothers and correct me if I'm wrong. There's only one Marley. There is. Jacob Marley and the Jacob is, Jacob the book. is only one. Yeah. yeah. Um, they are. I cannot remember these Muppets names, but they're the like hoity-toity um, theater critic. The hecklers. Hecklers. Um, and they are ghosts. But then all of the other ghosts, past, present, and future, are nobody that we recognize. Yeah. Which I think is great because it, I feel like if Miss Piggy was one of the ghosts, you'd be like, oh, it's Miss Piggy. And you really would have a hard time paying attention to what she was actually saying. Yeah. Um, you would be very distracted by the fact that it it is Miss Piggy
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and like all of the ghosts are really scary
0: yeah like it's funny because if I were like doing this I'd be like oh well Miss Piggy's going to be the ghost of Christmas past and Fozzie's going to be the ghost of Christmas present and mm-hmm. then like Sam Eagle's going to be the ghost of <laughs> Christmas future <laughs> yeah Christmas future yeah which like would be the right vibe but I think you're right it's interesting that that wasn't the choice because I would just be sitting there being like oh Fozzie
1: <laughs> yeah a lot of the really well-known characters just have like cameos Fozzie animal speaker, Dr. Honeydew. The Swedish um, chef. <laughs> the Swedish chef. Are
0: If you are Swedish, <laughs> I have a question. If you are Swedish, does the Swedish chef offend you, or are you kind of into it?
1: I remember when I was a kid, I just really thought the Swedish chef was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Did you think he was speaking Swedish? <laughs> no, but I used to, like, mimic him all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... I don't know. We missed Janice for sure. I love Janice.
0: My spirit (laughs) sister, my soul sister, Janice. Um,
1: I really would have loved to see more of Beaker um, because that is the internal monologue that I have all the time. All the time. Yeah. Um, I sense that about you. (laughs) Uh, But I think it's okay to have them in small doses. Yeah. Particularly because Gonzo is narrating the whole story. Yes. I love Gonzo. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't?
0: I actually feel like people are going to be like, puppets scare me, which I get. Like, there is a level of uncanniness to puppets.
1: Well, we were talking about, actually, the design of some of the puppets, and you said that the pigs really freaked you out. Their eyes are too tiny. Not Miss Piggy, the
0: the pigs in general.
1: Yeah. Well, because the Muppets are, I think, anthropomorphized well enough Mm -hmm. that you're like, oh, they are, they really straddle the line between uncanny and, like, this is a puppet. Uh, It works for me, but also I'm an adult, so I couldn't, you know, I don't have a memory of, like, seeing the Muppets for the first time. I must have just decided that I liked them and they were fine. That also started with Sesame Street. Like, you were introduced Mm -hmm. to puppets so, or you are, you are in general introduced to
0: Puppets so early, and it's, like, not even just Sesame Street. It's also, like, Mr. Rogers and Big Comfy Couch and stuff,
1: you Mm know? Oh, God, the Big Comfy Couch.
0: Molly McDolly and the Big Comfy Couch.
1: I haven't thought about that in so long.
0: You know that the clock thing she does with her legs. Yes, I remember I used to try doing it. The amount of core strength it takes, I do not have.
1: <laughs> I do remember that very vividly.
0: I'm like, I'm in shape. I could do. Nope. No. No.
1: <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> so shout out to that actor, mm-hmm. whoever whoever that was. We'll look her up. Give her a shout out. <laughs> uh,
0: what else works about uh, Muppets Christmas Carol?
1: Um I feel like it's really dumb to just say everything. What's something that stands out to you?
0: I think and I mentioned to to this earlier, like a Christmas Carol is mentioned is meant to be a children's book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Uh, me, uh, knowing anything about children's literature, would look at that now if I didn't have this prior context and knowledge, would be like, that's not for kids, you know? And in the time when uh, Christmas Carol was being written, we were still sort of in the era before we were specifically creating media that was catered to children at their developmental level. Um, And that was sort of a big thing through the late 1800s and early 1900s when we actually started creating books and media for kids to meet them where they are. And I think this story is important, um, specifically culturally. And if you have a way to introduce it to kids in a way that is funny and interesting, but also impactful, that's pretty great. Yeah. Because I think reading it in sixth grade, again, it's like Dickens. It's like not easy to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like unimpressed with it because it was inaccessible to me. Yeah. And having the other option of being like this story, you know, about like what you should, you know, how why you should care about the people around you, um is maybe better served to younger kids through the Muppets, right?
1: I I think so. I actually was wondering um because I have not read the book, is there any kind of romance. Um not that there's like real romance in this movie, but like it's implied that he was in love with a woman and the the Bell thing is bigger mm-hmm. in the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um because I, I But also f- that was
0: how old am I? Twelve years ago, mm-hmm. so
1: who knows? I feel like I if I had watched this and I like had no idea what a Christmas carol was about, I would have expected that to be a bigger thing. And I really appreciate the fact that in the end it's just him being good to a friend
0: mm-hmm. his nephew's a bigger thing in the book as well too i totally um, forgot about that uh yeah his nephew's bigger and then like tiny tim is about as big but just as impactful mm-hmm. um i think because it's easier
1: to pull at people's heartstrings when you're like there's a crippled child <laughs> how Terrible. many how many books like i think about we we're talking about the secret garden um kind of like outside of all of this but the secret garden oh my god is such a downer yeah i kind of wonder i don't think i ever would want to see it with muppets but like there's no real way to put any kind of humor in there um so i think it was smart that they picked a christmas carol because clearly they could like figure it out
0: yeah and i think it was a christmas story that is accessible in the way that everybody knows it Mm -hmm. and that it is old enough that you're allowed to make fun of it (laughs) yes
1: yeah Um, um and it's sad but it's not too sad yeah like I don't know if you've ever seen um the dramatization movie of a little princess um uh any relation to the little prince no it's um it's another book by Frances Hodgson Burnett's and I think she wrote it after the secret garden um it's about this little girl who gets sent to an orphanage because um her father can't remember her and he's like lost in the war and then he shows up as the neighbor and she's like papa papa don't you remember me and he's like I don't know who you are and it's really 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 fucking sad and there's no way to bring any kind of levity out of it yeah Um. but it's still a children's book yeah
0: and, and a children's
1: I think movie. children's books are allowed to be sad for mm-hmm. sure I um, think so many of them are like Bridge to Terabithia yeah I was gonna, say, say, that, I was gonna say
0: The Taste of Blackberries it's so sad yeah Um. which uh, they are allowed to be sad but like the Christmas, car- Christmas Carol isn't just sad. It's dark and it's scary. It's a ghost story. And I mentioned before, mm-hmm. like, Christmas is deeply haunted. And, like, the f- sort of re popularization of celebrating Christmas in the way that we celebrate it in England, you know, came about because the, uh, it got less popular once the Church of England was like, we're our own thing now. <laughs> and then about 300, 400 years later, people were like, oh, yeah, we used to be into this um it's amazing how many things henry VIII ruined yeah but obviously the victorians were a culture obsessed with death also sex (laughs) but not in this book (laughs) obsessed with death Mm -hmm. and and finding ways to to talk about it and in the church of england there's no existence of purgatory so you don't like ghosts are technically like can't exist Mm -hmm. so it's like a very uncanny and terrifying thing um so it is very of its time to be like, it's Christmas, but also scary. And then the rest of culture was like, was like, you're right, Christmas is scary. And now I'm here to tell you that Christmas is scary.
1: This movie is scary. I don't think Christmas is scary just because... Yeah,
0: but I mean, like a lot of pagan tradition is like kind of scary that has to do with Christmas that we took from them. We being the Christians, <laughs> me being a Christian. I don't know why, but I immediately thought of Krampus. <laughs> Krampus. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I suggested to you that we talk about uh, Rare Exports, which is a Finnish movie about evil Santas. Why not? And it's like, it's like about Christmas, but it's also like, oh, yeah, uh, gr- Christmas was a, like, pagan thing we took from up there. Up there being Finland. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shall we move into what doesn't work about this movie? Yeah. What do you think? What doesn't work about it? It has not... Aged particularly well in terms of technical prowess. I don't think I had a particularly large budget even for the time, but some of the special effects are absolutely laughable. And it's kind of frustrating to me because the thing that it makes the Muppets so incredible is that so much of the like effects have to be practical because they're puppets. Mm-hmm. And then to have like the world's worst like visual effects with like the ghost of Christmas like past is like, um, so really disjointed from the rest of the movie
1: right yeah in the, and that's kind of what what bugs me about the ghost of christmas past not only is she terrifying um and i think even more so because the special effects look weird to she, us she's also the only non-practical ghost
0: yeah the others are puppets
1: yeah Um, which doesn't make I mean I guess like the past is intangible to us um, but there's something like really cool about seeing the ghost of Christmas present aging throughout that whole scene and like his beard and his hair is turning white and he's getting older and then like the ghost of Christmas future like doesn't have a face so the ghost of Christmas past being a practical effect and like a little girl and we all know little girls are terrifying so scary Um, and also that she's just kind of like a disembodied head because even the ghosts of the Marley brothers clearly are the, are the puppets. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they did to make that effect, but like, yeah, I find it extremely weird. And, and that's not even the only instance, like I
0: mentioned this to you as it was happening, like when the ghost of Christmas present is fading and instead of just, um, like imposing the film, like as he fades out to make it like like with less and less opacity. They have added in like these rainbow glitter sparkles like there that are animated in.
1: That are all different
0: colors. And they look horrible. And it would have been way more effective to just have him like lose like um to fade away. Yeah, just to fade away. Mm, mm, I, <laughs> it was, I and I don't and I also like this movie was made in 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can sit here and be like, well, it was 1992. Like, clearly, we're so far from what our modern special effects are. Like, things have changed so much. But I can also pinpoint movies made previous to that that have far better special effects. Like, I don't know, like Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, that was lame, and you should have known it was lame even for the time.
1: Or even, you know, I was actually, I was thinking about this as we were watching it is how similar it felt to me, just vibe wise to The Nightmare Before Christmas. And the thing about that movie is that there is one practical effect and it's zero because he's a ghost, Mm -hmm. but the rest of it is stop motion and they just really committed to that. And so none of it, I mean, you're watching it and you're like, these are clay figures and you know that, but it doesn't feel weird because... Everything is a clay figure.
0: Well, the, sa- the thing is like, I can buy the Muppets. Mm-hmm. I'm already buying them. Asking me to buy the rest of that is like, uh, I don't have that much money, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, com- the commitment's been made. Don't ask me to do more legwork for you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. What else doesn't
1: work? I, um, think that this is largely a fault of the source material. Um, and of, Charles Dickens cool I don't like that guy let's dunk on him <laughs> um the very concept of Scrooge um being just like this miserly man who needs to be taught the meaning of Christmas is anti-semitic deeply 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 anti-semitic yeah um and it's one of the, anti-semitism is one of those incredibly insidious things in media because if you are kind of if you're not Jewish and you're not trained to recognize it. Uh, it's very easy to just like let it slip by. Oh my gosh, yeah, and and so much stuff like a, a portrayal of witches, mm-hmm.
0: and and that goes back to even the witches in um, the Scottish play. I mean, like really, like forever, and so many th- goblins, the goblins in Harry Potter, especially, Ooh, like yeah. so many things that are so ingratiated into culture, mm-hmm. um, through you know a millennia or two of anti-Semitism have made it really hard to sort of um, separate them. And this book is, and unfortunate Muppets movie is proof of that. And yeah. I think a lot of people would be like, oh no, come on. It's just, that's just what how, what the book was written. It's like, yeah, but you need to be critical of the source material. So I don't really fault the Muppets for that because they're following the source material and it's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most popular Christmas things ever, but I am like, they can't undo it. It's that, in, it's that ingrained in the source material. And it is, once you know how to recognize it, obvious and offensive.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's probably a way that people explained it to themselves. Um, not even just like, oh, it was the source material, but like the Victorians um were very like wealth obsessed and also just The original yuppies, if you will. Yeah. Um, and like the being poor in London, in Victorian London, was just like the worst thing that could be. Like you lived with 50 other people you would be sent to debtors prisons you would have your children taken away from you and shipped to other countries like it was horrific being poor Mm -hmm. in london in the victorian era so i mean it's always horrific being poor no one should be that poor yeah no one should be poor um so i think that you could kind of say that but ultimately the it's really like the money pinching like well, I think stringent. You're,
0: yeah, you're a little bit sort of mm-hmm. the way that 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 brings it up. It's it's kind of like Dickens is putting you in sort of like, um, like there's a level of moral absolutism where it's like you can actually only be middle class. Yeah, that's it. I don't really think you should be rich, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I think that he very specifically made that point. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate that you know we have the sort of caricature of like. A money lender mm-hmm. who doesn't care, doesn't care about, you know, Christianity, which is like, oh my God, this Good, is so embarrassing. Goodness gracious. Everyone.
1: But it, I mean, it is a longstanding literary tradition, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Again, learn to recognize it, be critical mm-hmm. of things. Huzzah.
1: Huzzah. Uh,
0: you know what doesn't really work? Hmm. A lot of the music is really boring. There's one song I really like, and it's One More Sleep Till Christmas. Um, But that's kind of the only one that I can even really sing from, like, when I'm humming along.
1: Yeah. It might be because I've, like, seen the Muppet movie, like, a a million times. But, like, Moving Right Along or The Rainbow Connection, like, those are iconic songs. And this is the elevator music. Yeah. Um, It
0: is, like, the most boring, like sort of Broadway standards of the early 90s you have ever heard.
1: And there's not even one theme that goes throughout the whole movie where you would hear it and you'd be like, oh, that's from this movie. I can recognize the theme from Labyrinth instantly. Yeah. Like, there's nothing about that in this film where it it would remember, like, I would have a sense memory.
0: Yeah, and, you know, like, people love Am I a Man or a Muppet? You'll Mm -hmm. love it because it's a great song, you know. Like the, it's annoying to me that there are so many things that are so good from like Muppets musicals that this one is so boring.
1: And they're all very much like the same tempo, the same um, vibe, if you will.
0: There's there's no like big raucous occasion, and there's no ballads or anything. It's just sort of like a we're all singing because Scrooge is here and it's Christmas. Yeah, woohoo! You know.
1: Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's. I think it's kind of charming because um a lot of it is kind of out of sync like people are singing a few clips behind each other like it's it's cute um but yeah it's just kind of like i am not taking anything away from this music no at all which is a bummer because it's krimis yeah and like
0: here here's what like the Muppets have had an opportunity to introduce like a new Christmas standard, which is really hard nowadays because most people hate modern Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Like there's about three Christmas songs written like post 1950 that I enjoy. One is Last Christmas. It's so good.
1: <laughs> of course, of course you love that song. I love Last Christmas. Of course you do. Um, I mean, and you know, Mariah Carey owns Christmas. She, yeah, she bought it herself. So. With her,
0: all I want for Christmas is you royalties. <laughs>
1: uh bummer i don't know when did mariah carey when did that come out what they should have like tapped mariah carey for this movie. oh that came out yeah. in like way, 2000 yeah way yeah. before it could have but um uh they but, could have tried they could have like but made a
0: wham could have done something come on i can't support that but i understand your point i i <laughs> I remember once there was a day when we were in school, and I think this must have been my senior year because I don't think you were there, but me and our other roommate, Violet, sat in the kitchen, and we listened to Last Christmas on repeat for two hours. <laughs> and we're like, we're getting in the Christmas spirit. We weren't even doing anything. We were just drinking and looking at each other while singing along.
1: <laughs> to one of the saddest Christmas movies, Christmas songs of all time.
0: Uh, I mean, there's no Christmas shoes, which is the worst Christmas song of all
1: time i um hate imagine which it always gets played on the radio around christmas time uh even though it's not a christmas song i just
0: hate john lemon
1: yeah that too (laughs) that's that's part of the reason why i hate that song and also it's just a bad song yeah Mm -hmm.
0: made worse by covid
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you gal gadot
0: thanks (laughs) yeah um what else doesn't work
1: I'd be hard pressed to find something else that like really bothered me.
0: Yeah. I I mean, like it's so agreeable. It's a story we all know. I don't want to be like, you don't really have to pay that much attention, but like (laughs) you don't, if you know the story, you don't particularly, and it really is just sort of fun to watch it be told via Mm -hmm. Muppet. Everything is fun to be told via Muppet.
1: Yeah. Well, and also I will say, and this is, I I think we could have talked about this under what works, but um, okay, we'll go back. Michael Caine.
0: Oh yeah! Oh my God, we haven't even talked about him at all. Michael Caine, <laughs> who was old at the time, but looking at him, I'm like, wow, Michael Caine is so young in this movie because <laughs> it was 30 years ago.
1: Yeah, and um, I would have said that watching the Batman movies, I'm like, wow, Michael Caine looks like so, so young, young here. here. Yeah, um, yeah, he is clearly having a blast. I love when you can
0: watch a movie where you know that the main, you know, actor is just having a good fucking
1: time. When he gets to wake up from his little dream and he gets to start singing with all of the Muppets, like the look of joy on his face is so tangible, is so palpable. And you're like, I am happy because you, the character and the actor, Mm -hmm. are very happy right now. yeah.
0: He's it's delightful. a joy, and it's like a it's like a joy to watch Jason Segel with the Muppets because you know that he is having a grand old time, mm-hmm. and it's great to watch Michael Caine with the Muppets, especially because Michael Caine is somebody who's like I'm so serious, you know, yeah. that he, he's with the Muppets. It's like this is the best, this is
1: great. I find him so charming in roles where he is not being so serious. You know? Yeah, I mean that's
0: why he's great as Alfred.
1: Yeah, um, or even he's in the Nicole Kidman Bewitched. You as love nana. the Nicole Kidman Bewitched. <laughs> it is a Nora Ephron movie. It's I know, so good. <laughs> I
0: know it's a Nora Efron movie, but like of her
1: oeuvre, that's the one you've latched on to? Um, it has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is tremendously bad, but it is- th- That said, what's your number? Has a 28 on Rotten Tomatoes,
0: and it is tremendously good.
1: <laughs> that's true. Um, okay, while I will say that I really enjoy Blades of Glory, um, Bewitched is the only movie where I have ever been like- Will Ferrell is a man I would not mind talking to. He bothers me so much. And I know that that's his ish, but like he's charming and he seems like a real person in that movie. I I, Now I'm just pressed to think of any other (laughs) Will Ferrell movie.
0: I feel like I've never had that feeling about Will Ferrell. Also, Blades of Glory cannot be the one where you'd
1: want to talk to him. No, I was saying that like, I I, enjoy that movie. Um, But Bewitched is like, I would not mind running into you and having a conversation. And it's just yeah. because he gets to act opposite Nicole Kidman, and that's it. Who doesn't act? She whispers. No. She whispers, and she doesn't in that movie too. But I, Michael Caine, um, and and Shirley MacLaine are both in that movie, and they're they're like the cherry on top. Love it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really need to do a where are they now because the Muppets don't ever need to be anywhere. They're the Muppets, and they are you know eternal. Yeah, eternal. <laughs> they're sort of like a a perma like existence and culture right
1: i was just thinking about how they killed mr peanut oh my god (laughs) like for a publicity stunt and it didn't work because we were
0: like the f yeah
1: or like the international house of burgers like if they ever tried to do something but that with the muppets people would riot
0: that's it the muppets are like are a brand but like are not a brand you know like they're a cultural yes thing um it would be
1: more like if something happened to, like, the Blue
0: Man crew.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I will say that the Henson Workshop does such an excellent job of, like, preserving Jim Henson's, um integ- like, his artistic integrity. Yeah. Um. And this was the first movie they made after his death.
0: Yeah, and to see that the title card of, like, the Unloving Memory was really
1: touching he was like 50 something when he died it's so, so tragic. crazy yeah of pneumonia actually because we were talking about pneumonia in the last episode jim henson died of pneumonia
0: wow that's terrible it's really terrible <laughs> really shitty
1: thing to die of yeah also super treatable at the time that he died <laughs> um apparently if he had gone to the hospital like three or four hours earlier whoa he would have lived that's crazy i hate knowing stuff like that me too it makes me really sad but anyway, I think they do a good job of preserving his legacy throughout the additional Muppets material. Yeah,
0: and like it's when Muppets are doing things, I'm always excited. You mm-hmm. know, like if they were like, "Oh, hey, another Muppets movie is coming out," I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll yeah, I'll see that in theaters." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> duh,
1: of course, yes. Or someone like a, a celebrity will be like, "I got to interview Miss Piggy," and you're like, "I'm watching it." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh wait, you know that you know what my favorite video on the internet is ever?
1: The Kermit and the, the... Girl <laughs>
0: 1 2 uh, ABC Cookie Monster?
1: No. Oh. I was thinking of the Vine but now I can't remember what song Kermit is supposed to be singing from. God the... I don't. Yeah. yeah. That gets me every time. No, it's Kermit and
0: a little girl, and like he's with a little girl. It's like a Sesame Street thing. And she's singing her ABCs, and she's like, ABC, Cookie Monster. And he's like, oh, Cookie Monster. Fine, I guess you want to be with him. And she's like, wait, come back. And he's like, what? And she goes, I love you.
1: Yes, I I do love that video. It's so great. Children are so wholesome. They're the best. Um,
0: Cultural impact. Uh, If anything, it reminded us about A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't around in 1992 to give you a full...
1: Neither was I. It was the two full years before my birth. Um, yeah. so I don't really know. Like I said, this is not a movie that my family watches at Christmas. And so like, it has not had a cultural impact on me.
0: I have a feeling that a lot of people can relate to sort of my experience of being like, Oh, my parents were Muppets people and they like, love the Muppets. And we always watch this one. And I think, you know, even in our voting on the poll, like just like
1: far and away, the most popular. far and away, the most popular option. Um, I thought it was going to be Gremlins. <laughs> Which I would not have mind watch, minded watching because I haven't seen it since I was like 16. And yeah. it's terrifying. It is
0: terrifying. Definitely a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I just thought like, oh, like what's most in our sort of genre of, mm-hmm. you know, things that we watch. I was like, oh, people are going to watch, want Gremlins. But like, I really think that there's a lot of our listeners, like people who are like, oh yeah, this is like one of our Christmas movies. Because every, every family who celebrates Christmas,
1: mm-hmm. uh, it's
0: like our Christmas movie, you know?
1: Yeah. Which is cool. It is cool. Do you have any concluding thoughts? I really enjoyed watching it, um, particularly because I again I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I needed to laugh out loud because I get so few opportunities to do that.
0: Yeah, I I, ch-
1: I chuckled deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so charming.
0: It is. It is. What would you rate this movie?
1: I'd give it. I'd give it a solid eight out of ten.
0: We give it letter grades in this podcast, so that would be a B minus, and I know you don't mean that.
1: I give it an A minus. There we go. Yeah, I give it an A. I don't know why I thought 8 out of 10. Uh, we should have consulted beforehand. <laughs> what? To, so no, I can we remember. didn't have to consult beforehand. We've done so many bonus I episodes. I know. I know. I just have the world's worst memory. I
0: will also give it an A minus just because it's, you know, out of all of the... Like, I there are very few Christmas movies that I, like, really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is totally one of them, but it's not in my top two or three. I love this movie. I'll give it an A minus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I will say this is not a movie that I'm going to sit down and watch next year. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, like when I'm sitting and I'm thinking, oh, the Christmas movies I want to get in before the season is over. This doesn't really crack the top... You know,
0: I get that, I'm but it was a it. joyous yeah. occasion to watch it. Now, twas yeah. Um, I think that wraps up this bonus episode of the Teen Wolf Free Wolf. We're really happy you guys listen. Uh, we're heading into the new year, new Teen Wolf, new us. New podcast? No, no. Um, but and if anything, I just want to wish you guys a very safe and happy holiday season. Tonight is the last night of Hanukkah, so I want to wish a happy Hanukkah to all of our Jewish listeners. Who, if this was the Christmas bonus episode, so if you're still here, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I'm sorry. I um, uh, Merry Christmas to anybody who celebrates. Happy Kwanzaa to anybody who celebrates. And. Um, We will see you guys in January and hope you have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo.